welcome to smart cherry's thoughts this is sai from india hi sai how are you i'm great uh, naturally uh, thank you thank you for uh, uh, accepting my invitation and accepting to be on my show of course now thank you for inviting me i'm very excited so i've gone through your profile i can see uh, you are doing uh, a lot of work so i thought to tell about your work to my audience okay so uh, i do a few of things right like i always say to people I I literally come from a very diverse background and throughout my throughout the years and all the industries that I've been I carry part of all the industries I you know I have worked with because I feel like every single industry it really has something to to it really has something of value for another industry but what do I mean by that so my again as you mentioned my name is Natalie Cano I'm a cybersecurity engineer. I have a background in social work. So I, I've been doing social work for about 12 years now. I have a non-profit organization called Grace in Action, which is uh, it's actually in New Jersey here in the United States. And um, part of what I do, I'm the founder of Grace in Action. It's it's pretty much my baby, um, and we have multiple programs. But more than the programs, as I was talking to you when when you were messaging me. Um I'm very passionate about helping people again this is why I started in social work so many years ago but our focus is to help individuals from low income areas especially families so I'm very focused on assisting individuals with so right now one of the programs is the basic needs program which we provide diapers we provide formula we provide strollers pretty much absolutely anything that um a family might need and over here uh, many of the the families that i have i used to be their personal um family support worker so they again one of the questions that you asked me um when we were chatting is how did you start it like like how how does someone get into these so it's actually a very funny story if it's funny at all uh it's because when i was a social worker I was in a and sometimes in a worse situation than than my family's was. But um you know, you just you just have to do what you got to do. And what I mean is I'm a single mom myself, but back then years ago, um I come from a from a very difficult life in a sense that I didn't have the support from my family. I I was a single mom or I was a new mom at the age of 20. I wanted to go to college and I couldn't go to college. So the only jobs that I would say but to find, although I couldn't go to college, I was able to take classes here and there as much as I could. Long story short, I I landed a job at this very big organization, their social work, and I started working as a family support worker for a few years. Um but as much as I loved that, it was a very beautiful experience because I really got to really see how much you can impact someone's life by caring because then you start learning okay what are they what what organizations around are helping us with can i go 
to get clothes. And then I started learning all these resources. There was nothing magical about me. I just literally was I've always been someone very curious. So this is pretty much how I realized when I was working as a family support worker that that I really liked what I did and that there were many resources available for anyone that wanted help. Anyone, regardless the title, if it's a single dad or a mom or someone you want to help, there's always organizations around that allows you to help others. Now, long story short, too, <laughs> um, social work or at least the job that I had paid very little money, very, very, very little. So even though I was helping so many families at one point, I had over 30 families under my supervision um, with multiple issues. Um, I left the industry and I started just working. I began studying everything I could, especially through uh, YouTube videos to learn about recruiting, because I heard from a friend that his wife got a job as a recruiter and I knew his wife very well. I was like, wait, I didn't know she had like a background in recruiting. And then she, uh, he explained, Natalie, it's actually fairly easy it wasn't easy but you know you, you require a, some sort of understanding of technology because i was working as a i was aiming to be a technical recruiter and even though i was not able to go to college consistently i took various classes and i went to boot camps i did everything i could as a single mom and in my situation to gain the skills necessary to keep advancing so what i did again i spent a long time studying and, and Googling and journaling and doing everything I could to learn about technical recruiting. Little by little, I uh, was able to land my first job um, at a friend's company working with him. And then um, not long after, I was able to clear four, four interviews at one of the most difficult places to land a job, which is Amazon. So I started working for Amazon with services as a technical recruiter. And when I was there, Again, it's a whole new in industry, a whole new world for me, too, because the pay was was much higher than my previous job. And I could really see now my life changing. Um, but it was at that point that I started receiving phone calls from the families I used to care for as a family support worker. Pretty much my old life was calling me back. And I genuinely didn't have the heart to say, I'm sorry, I'm no longer your family support worker. Just just figure it out. Because I knew that if back then, as a family support worker, without because family support work is just a title, really, you're not a licensed uh, social worker. So you have you don't have you don't have the same tools and the same resources that a licensed uh, social worker has, but you're still a social worker as per definition um, as a family support worker. But that's when I realized and I said, Natalie, if you were able to help people for the amount of years that you were in, you were working as a family support worker, imagine what you can do now, knowing that you're, you have more, more resources. You know, my income was higher. And so I started doing what I do best. Um, I started thinking, I said, okay, how can I, how can I support these people? I mean, some of them needed very little things. So I would just go to my closet and just go through things, which it started that way. Um, that's how I, everything, that's pretty much how Grace in Action, which is the nonprofit organization that I have, that's how it really started. It started by me going through my own closet, going through my own pantry. I have, um, I have an 11 year old daughter back then. She was five, I think. 
And she used to say, mommy, I have all these toys. We can go and give it away. So, you know, I started just really seeing that from my side, I was able to support them as the same way as I was supporting them back then. But then I, I just started just being very honest with people around me. So I had this manager at Amazon who asked me, so what is it that you do? Like, you know, he's just he wants to get to know me. And I share about, hey, you know what? I, I used to be a family support worker. And right now I am supporting these families that are coming back to me in any way I can. I'm still knocking doors on other organizations, telling them the truth. And I said, I'm no longer a support worker. I'm working as a recruiter. But it will be great if you can help me because I still have so many families that need support. They all said yes, because they knew me. So they knew they, they remember me. It's like, oh, yeah, you used to work here. But I think one of the most beautiful things that two of the two of those people from people, meaning the partners said, Natalie, the reason why we want to support you is because we can see that you truly care. And that meant a lot to me. And I said, you know what? Maybe this is all I have to do. Maybe all I have to do in order for me to keep helping these individuals is to truly care. And I think in a way, obviously, I'm simplifying it and I am uh, in a way romanticizing it. But in a way, it really starts by that. So Grace in Action right now is um, it's an organization that not, not only helps families, but also we support individuals with uh, we have a program that's called Grace on the Street, which is to support individuals that have um, that struggle with homelessness and drug addiction. So through this program, I personally run that program because it's very difficult to to find people that wants to do this particular part of of the program. And we I go out. Well, we sometimes I, I used to have help. Um, some individual used to help me in the past, but it didn't last long. So if anyone is watching this and it's in New Jersey, and you want to help, please help me. <laughs> because in this case, what we do, um, I go out into Newark, or, which is very, very um, it's a, it's, there's a high population of homeless individuals with high, high. Um, there's a lot of drug addiction in those areas. So I go and I and I give them Narcan kits. Narcan is a medicine that I, I personally always give the spray. So it's a nasal spray. When you, they spray it, uh, when someone is having an opioid-related overdose, so if it's heroin or you know just opioid. Um, this medicine brings them back within three minutes. So if someone sees anyone having an overdose or someone passed out or someone literally is just unconscious or is seizure, you know, has having a seizure, they can put this nasal spray in one of the uh, one of the nostrils and immediately the person will come back um, from the overdose. So it saves a lot of lives immediately. So, of course, I'm like, you know what? This is crazy. This is amazing. So I, I take hundreds of those kids and I go out into the community in where there's high, you know, high concentration, high concentration of individuals that use drugs. And I go out because, again, part of my background in social work, it was also working at a needle exchange program for six, almost seven years. Needle exchange program, that's pretty much what they do. They support individuals that are actively using drugs. Um, with multiple with multiple services. So because of my my experience and my again, yes, my experience working over there, I gain so much like my heart is really with this individuals. Like I learned to see them 
um, for who they are. And it's because this program that I was saying, they really teach you to see people not because of what they do and the, and the choices they make, but because they're human beings. You see, the, may, we might see them as the outcasts of society. We might see them as people that are not really, you know, they're just homeless and, and drugged. So people don't see them that way, but they're much more than that. They're beautiful people. They care. They help me in so many ways. They help everybody at the center. We work. The center has doctors. It had, I worked as a holistic therapist for for them for many years. So, again, as you can see through what I'm explaining and sharing, there's a lot of things that I have been able to translate from years from experiences that I had in the past and I'm bringing them into not only my work as an engineer but also um, to my to my nonprofit organization which now I have been doing it we have been running this this initiative started back in 2016 with my daughter as I was explaining and it has grown now into into what it is now so I'm very I'm very proud of that. Um, part of also now kind of like merging the organization into cybersecurity. So uh, there's multiple ways that I do. I also go into the community. I'm all community based. Again, I, I'm always, always, always trying to translate new skills, old skills into back to to the community. Into like for me, there's no such a thing as segmentation of of skills. If skill that I learned. When I was a social worker, it's helping me to have better business uh, business meetings in cybersecurity or it's helping me to have a better understanding, better communication. I will use it. Many in, in this, I think in cybersecurity, it's very important to also see things holistically, which is, I guess, what what my point is um, when 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 I'm when I'm explaining or when I'm trying to say <laughs> merging skills. But going back to my original thought. So part of what um, part of what I do also in in through my nonprofit in cybersecurity, I'm hosting right now, and I'm very grateful for Women in Cybersecurity WISIS. So WISIS is the largest uh, woman in cybersecurity organization in the world. Um, honestly, they have hundreds of chapters all around the world, and I was reading just a post yesterday, and I wish I could remember the exact number, but the number of the number of of, of individuals that are part of this organization is <laughs> is mind blowing. So I'm very grateful and extremely honored that they invited me to be part of um, to to be in the chapter, which is the Women in Cybersecurity Military Branch. So for them, Grace in Action, um, I'm hosting a, a group that is called Career Development and Mindfulness. So in that group, we support individuals that are that are looking to transition, whether they are coming again from a non-technical background into cybersecurity, or they are already in cybersecurity and are looking to um, to switch careers, or um, not to switch careers, and they're looking, yeah, just to kind of uh, for any career change, because another thing that I did is, again, because I was a technical recruiter before, I developed when I when I went to when it was my time for me now to get into cybersecurity. I genuinely thought I'm going to be very honest with you to say I I thought I was going to have it way easier because I said, OK, Natalie, how how. How difficult can be for you to land your first job in cybersecurity if you are a recruiter and you have a whole network 
of some of the most recognized recruiters in in the world, which is from Amazon. And I have friends that were at Google and I have and I said, of course, it's going to be easy. I can I can because I always say your network is your best is your best ally when it comes to um, in you know when it comes to finding jobs or in many ways it's a great resource to have and I had a really a very significant network. Little did I know that nobody, nobody that I knew worked in InfoSec. They were all recruiters for web development as I was, but I knew them from all the companies. So I guess we never really talked about what exactly they were doing. So when it was my time to get into the industry, obviously I reached out to many people. And as much as they wanted to help, because it's not like they didn't they didn't want to help, they did. Uh, some of them tried, but it, I didn't get anything. So what I did, I said, unfortunately, at the time, I thought I had more time to look for a job, but I was incorrect. There was something um, very something very impactful, something very difficult happened in my life at the time, which forced me to start looking for for a job way sooner than I expected. And I put my brain to work. I said, okay, Natalie, don't freak out. Just just think, how are you going to do this? Because I was applying normally. Normally is, you know, the regular process. I'm looking for a job and I'm just sending the resume. I was not getting any traction. It, that wasn't working for me. It was it was just not. So it took me three and a half months to develop a method that was so successful that I land my first job after I developed the method on how to land a job fast. At the time, I didn't know I was developing a, a, I didn't know I was developing something. I was just trying to help myself. I was trying not to give in to despair. So this method after I, again, let's just call it a process. I just created this process. It got to the point where I started receiving six to seven phone calls from recruiters a week and about 15 emails a week. And I said, oh, my God, whatever I'm doing, it's working. So then after after I calibrated the process enough, I realized that um, that it might be something that I could share with with someone else and it, and it might help them. So I was already by the time three weeks after I, I finished the process and I said, OK, this is working. I landed two offers. Well, no. I landed, it was pretty much, I made it to two final interviews and I accepted the first offer. Um, and I was very impressed with, again, with the whole process and the feedback. So this is the method that I am now sharing with many people for the past two and a half years through now I'm doing it through, um, through the woman in cybersecurity, military branch, mindfulness and career development group. So it has been my entire process, my entire career, how I got here into cybersecurity has been a beautiful journey, but it has been also, I will say, very intentional because everything that I have learned in other in other industries and, and really is really coming into fruition, showing, um, again, the work through my nonprofit. And now I'm super grateful that this method that I created for myself is helping so many people. And I had no idea that that was a process until I shared it. I started sharing it with others and it worked for them, too. So this is why now it's becoming more of like, OK, you know what? Let's just put this into classes and people. So I also, again, because I was a um 
have a, a background in mindfulness and holistic practices. Also in Ayurveda, I worked with two doctors, two Ayurvedic doctors for a few years. So I learned just very basic, beautiful things of Ayurveda, which I'm being able to share whatever it is that I was taught. I will never say you're an Ayurvedic doctor. Never. Oh, my God. I respect this beautiful science so much. And I actually dislike when people claim. I'm like, come on, this is it takes so many years. And I respect this by no means. But it's all it's also something that I share a lot during the class. So I, I, I try to bring mindfulness and career development hand to hand. Everything that I do in, in that class is really this balance between being very career focused, being very relevant with what we're doing, sharing techniques that I learned um, as a recruiter, while at the same time bringing mindfulness in many areas of our lives. So in Grace in Action, you it shows the emotional side of yours, and uh, in in doing cybersecurity work, it shows the logical thinking of yours. So how you are able to have both, and how you're oh balancing my God. it? Uh, I think that's a brilliant question. Say, um, and I'm grateful you asked because I don't know if I'm going to be able to actually uh, explain it exactly because I genuinely think is. It's just a mix that I have as a person. I'm extremely logical. If you come to me or anyone comes to me, again, because as a, as a family support worker, um, you are constantly working with people that the only reason you're there is to be able to provide solutions. So you have to be, in, in, my, in my opinion, someone needs to be very logical, very, very grounded, because you're coming into someone's life in your goal as a family support worker or as a or as a, um, as a social worker is to get you have to get through you have to go through the chaos of, of people people's mind and mostly it's a it's a mental barrier is what I really started realizing yes they are huge individual I mean there's there there was a myriad um, of chaos in 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 people's life, but when I started really kind of like in a, in a way I always go back to dissecting and when we have complex ideas in front of us and you're a, you're a software developer, developer, so you know this, right? When we have a big, big, for example, very complex set of code in front of us, the most logical thing is to start uh, extracting little chunks of it so we can start working. And the same thing is, it's, it's in this, in this domain. Uh, and when we have a very big problem in front of us, we need to start simplifying it in any way we can. So we have to start somewhere because sometimes there is no there is no beginning. So where do you start when you come into a family, uh, someone's someone's life as a, as a support system in a way you have to sit down. And I always started with an assessment of who they are, what kind of traumas they went through and what are they the physical needs? Can they do they have enough food? Do they have enough um, is the house warm enough for the babies? Like, is it, is it, is it clean? And then you start going into deeper, deeper issues with them, right? Like the trauma they carry, um, so many problems that they have because of a um, lack of support. Um, and just so in that, in that sense, I spent so many years always, always with what can I do? in a practical way to support this family. And it's a very it's a very difficult thing because imagine you are working with one friend and you're really kind of trying to help this one friend and you're like, oh my God, he's really going through something very difficult. I don't know what to do. Now imagine you have 
60, 70, 100 of those friends that is coming just to you to say, hey, say, I need you to please help me. And that is your job. Your job is to try to find practical solutions to very important problems that leads to people getting sick, people getting abused physically, mentally, sexually. So, you know, the problems are very impactful. They're, they're real. So I think that really um, I developed a very practical mindset in working with people. People also taught me many things that I translate into business, right? Because when you actually can walk into someone's house and and you started realizing that you actually can help, you're just not there to make more space. You're, you actually can help. Then when you sit down in front of uh, business leaders or you sit down in front of managers or even hiring managers to get a job, you don't shy away from any problem that comes up. Because that's all you've been doing for the past 13 years is facing issues. So when I bring now into cybersecurity, I bring the same, I guess in a way, the same sentiment or not even the sentiment, the same mentality. And it's, I'm here to help. So what is it that I need to solve? And I think my biggest struggle in cybersecurity, um, at least at the beginning, is, oh, my God, I want to help, but I don't know how because I need a specific skill. So what is the most logical thing to do? Go and train on that skills while you start trying to, again, try to provide some some value to the company. Um, so the, the, the balance between being logical and being emotional, I think it's extremely important because at the same time in cybersecurity, it's people, technology and processes. And the people part of, of cybersecurity, in my opinion, is a huge, it's a huge topic that although I do hear more and more about it, I think we need to emphasize how much of real threat there is by, for example, not being able to communicate properly among business leaders in a, in a company, that all that miscommunication translate into into poor management that then goes back into poor decision making that goes back into, OK, what is our security stack? And the security stack is always going to, to is always going to, in a way, um, translate the mentality and the decisions that have been made. The, the teams that we have, the, the interactions that they have, are they communicating properly? Is the blue team, the red team, do we have a red team? Perfect. Are they being able to communicate properly? No. Let's say it's a small company. They don't have a red team. They only have a blue team. Do we understand what um, what processes should be implementing? So our, our, you know, our team is both practical, but at the same time feels well enough to not be burned out. Right. Because there's, what I'm trying to say is the human aspect of cybersecurity is what I see the most, maybe because of my own background. But then when I start going into these patterns and this chain of observation and when I'm observing processes at a company, I'm like, I'm wondering how how much more value we could bring into our into the cybersecurity department. Let's just let's just segregate it as because this security is not just a department. Right. Security is a mindset that the entire company should have. But in my own, in my own, um, again, in my own opinion, in my own experience in cybersecurity, I see a huge disconnection uh, when it comes to being able to even speak properly about what are some of the issues that we have. The simplicity is missing. See, there's, there's so much technicality in people's jargon, people's lingo, that it gets 
it gets lost in translation when the individuals that need to make the decisions barely understand. Now, that's one part. But also, do we know how to communicate with each other? Do we know how to be emotional enough to be able to understand what our team needs? Because we're not just robots here. We cannot pretend that just because we have been, some of us have all they know is technology. They, at five years old, they were already going through through whatever gadgets and they've been hacking from the age of nine and now they're great bug bounties or threat hunters, whatever it is. They live, they breathe, everything is technology. That doesn't mean they don't have emotions. That doesn't mean that there's gonna be times where they come to the to to work, whether it's remotely or in person, where their own emotional state is not going to translate into into poor um, efficiency. So when we go back and we really analyze, I feel like it's very important for, and we go back to leaders and we're always kind of pointing fingers at the leaders, leaders, leaders. Yes and no, obviously they have, there's there's a lot that they, there's a lot of responsibility that falls under the, on their shoulders. But I think it's it's important to really simplify, not simplify, to just go back to basics and say, how about if the the amount of time that we spend on thinking about how for example i guess let me let me say this in this way i've sat through a significant amount of vendor meetings right and i've noticed that um you know we're trying to we're trying to a company is trying for example to emphasize overemphasize on technology, right? Okay, we should get these tools. We should get this tool. And the tools are getting more expensive and more expensive. But when you look at the network, there's so many flaws. Like we have in the most simplest way, the, the server is not properly, uh, it's not properly patched, it's not properly uh, secured. Like nothing is really the way it's supposed to be at the basic level. The firewall rules are not properly configured. The, the basic AVs, the the antivirus, some some endpoints have it, some of them don't, and yet we're constantly focused on these big tools because we don't want to have the conversations. And if we do have the conversation, okay, you know what? What's going on? What what happened within the team that that there is all these holes that could be in a way, all these issues that could be mitigated with better communication, with more awareness on the um, on on the personal level, right? On the processes that are that are we creating for a team, are they do they have the skills that are needed? If they don't, can we train them? Now, are we providing quality training? Um, is do we have mental health days? Are we allowing these individuals to even breathe, or are they just coming over here burned out every single day, which is creating more and more issues? Which no no wonder they don't they're not patching everything. Because we keep moving them, and it is, I mean, it's also difficult not to expect a company to move 5,000 miles an hour. But if we don't go back and start looking at where really the issues are, are, are coming from, and we might not really see exactly where the issues are coming from. But what I have observed so far is that we are, we are working so fast and we're really overseeing the human aspect of technology that I think if we were a little bit more aware 
of the human aspect of technology, we will literally start mitigating so many, so many problems at the foundation level. So then we can start looking at all these big tools, because what good is it for a company, for example, to get the, the, the most advanced EDR or XDR, right? The most advanced thread visualizer. If a hacker is always going to try to find the, uh, the low hanging fruit, the easiest way in. And yet we're looking at, oh, we're having AI, everything AI powered. Cool. But what about the amount of open doors that we have at the very basic level? And it could be literally what's going on with our with our security team. Like, and it's not just them. It's like, are we are we prioritizing the most basic uh, aspects of security? I don't think we are, especially because also the the language that many vendors speak um, is very impressive. You see, they kind of say, oh, if you if you come for us, if you come with us, uh, all your problems are going to be solved. All your network is going to. And we know that we know that there's no such a thing as a fully protected uh, company or network and stuff like that. But I hope I'm being able to make sense when it comes to why I highly believe that the human aspect of technology is. It, it, I would love to see a little bit more emphasis in it because that's my observation. Again, my own background um, I guess I'm a little bit more focused on the human aspects of things, but I love tech. I mean, <laughs> I'm working constantly on, I, I really do love technology also because when I was a child, um, I, I had severe issues with, with, I had a learning disability. And the only thing that would let me feel calm enough to actually ingest information and retain it was when a, when a computer or a video was teaching me. And then that's how I realized. And I said, some people just feel more. I that's, I guess what I'm trying to say, I love computers because it allowed me to learn everything, not everything, but a big portion of what I know. And when I was a child, it brought comfort to me. Computers always brought comfort. So, but I love this, this balance. I love the balance. I love the combination that I, that I have between social work and cybersecurity. Plus, Many, I feel like technology in general is very pattern based, and in a way, my mind works that way. So, and people, people, you know, people always say, "Oh, I'm very unique," and we are all unique in our own way. But there's many patterns that we're always going to find in people. So when you start recognizing patterns again, and it's also Ayurveda talks about that. So, like I said, I bring everything as much as I can, as long as it's a cohesive and it helps me to understand a certain topic. I don't care where I'm pulling this, this skill from or this particular insight from, I'll use it. Sometimes I actually do the opposite. I bring technology concepts into, um, into my classes of Ayurveda, into my classes of mindfulness, because in a way, again, it might be my own mind. I'm not saying things are this way. But I find patterns and I find things that are very similar and I just use them and I combine them just to be able to express a concept more clear or simplify something that people might not understand. To me, simplicity in communication in, do- in whatever domain is imperative. And uh, what is the intention to start uh, Grace in Action and what, what it is going to do? So Grace in Action, I guess. The intention is literally to help in every way we can. Um, again, because I come from from I come from a from pretty much the people that we support in Grace in Action. I was the same person. I was the same family, and I wish I had the support of 
And, and, and I guess I could have had the support that Grace in Action gives to all the families. I would have had, I would have loved to have been supported by an organization that way. And I'm sure there were other organizations, but I didn't know about it. So one of the main goals of, of Grace in Action is to continue helping individuals. But let's just be honest. When we provide the best way to help someone is to really teach them how to fish. Because before that, then we're just kind of, yes, we are helping them, but we're not really changing lives, right? Like, for example, if someone is hungry and I give them food, obviously it's such a kind thing to do. And I highly suggest people, please keep doing anything that you can to help others, whether it's through food, through uh, support, even people like, I don't know, like emotional support or clothes. But the the main goal in the and the biggest impact that I see for Gia, I call Gia Grace in Action. So for Gia, um, is to be able to skilled individuals that are come from low income communities. I am not focused on a particular background of individuals. For example, I'm Hispanic myself. That doesn't mean I'm focused only on Hispanics. If someone needs help, we provide the help. But the biggest, biggest thing that I see for us and what I really would like us to, we're moving towards it with all the projects and everything that, that we're working on. So our biggest thing is to be able to skill individuals, meaning provide high value skills to individuals that cannot go to school, that cannot attend a four year college. So Grace and Actual, Grace and Action's uh, long term goal is to be able to provide training on software development on cybersecurity and, and related technologies in an accelerated way, but our focus is local. There's a lot of boot camps, there's a lot, and I love boot camps. Honestly, it was, it's due to my circumstances, um, I would have loved to be able to go to the university because I love learning. I really do love learning. It's just, I don't know, it's, I love it, but I was not able to. Uh, as much as I tried, I own, I was back then, I was only able to make it to uh, two years into college. I was not able to finish the four years for my bachelor's. So uh, when I started learning about boot camps, I said, wait, there's there's other ways to gain skills. I couldn't believe it, honestly. And for me, it was a no brainer. I did a research for like eight months. Then I joined my first bootcamp. It was a very, 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 very low quality bootcamp. Very, I wouldn't say it was a good bootcamp. I didn't have any labs. It didn't have like nothing. It was just in a way lectures, but it gave me a very basic understanding of technology, which I landed my first job ever in technology many years ago. And then from there, years later, I saved up enough money to go to a good boot camp because, again, even like that, I could not I didn't have child care for my daughter. I, read, I There was so many some I had so much opposition for me to be able to go to school, to a university. So grace in action through my own experience. I think um, bootcamp is an amazing way for someone in a very difficult situation. Um, it's not easy, though. Like the commitment that is needed for a boot camp is incredible. It's, it's intense. Um, for example, the first time that I attended the boot camp, the majority were army individuals. And I'm sorry, let me drink a little because I'm getting. Thank you. So. The majority were army individuals and I was the only woman in that boot camp and I was like, 
I was having like a panic attack and I said, oh my God, Natalie, what did you get into? This is crazy. I didn't even know the difference between software and hardware when my first day of school. That's how clueless I was about technology. I mean, I was coming from odd jobs. I had, I was driving Uber. I was, I was working for little stores. I was working as a, like I had, I, I did everything I could just to bring to break, to be able to pay the rent and to keep feeding my daughter. So I had all sorts of odd jobs. But when I see my life now, my daughter goes to one of the best schools in the country. And I'm just so grateful and, and humble to say how my, how much my life has changed and the skills I have gained in technology, which makes me so proud too. It all goes back to boot camps. But boot camps only take you so far. Then you have to continue studying on your own, but you have a framework. So that's what Grace in Action wants to do for a lot of people. The same thing that was done in my life through boot camps. But the boot camps that I paid were extremely expensive. And even though I decided back then, okay, you know what? I'm going to get these loans. I was able to get loans. So I, I, I went and I got these loans and I paid all these boot camps that allow me to get into you know, to just have the, the basic skills to get into uh, cybersecurity. So many individuals don't have the ability to get those loans either. I knew in my case, um, it was different. I said, okay, Natalie, you do have the ability to get loans, but the people you would love to help, they don't. So this is what Grace and Action wants to do. Grace and Action, but again, in a local focus. Um, although we are also, we're having communication, we're, we're, we have conversations with our board members and board of advisors and, and our individuals. We're, we're looking at alternatives, but our main focus right now is to help individuals at a local level, meaning, you know, the ones, pretty much the community I come from, the surrounded communities, which are some of the most underprivileged communities in the United States. And that's what I would love to do. I would love to be able to provide high, high level skills for individuals to change their lives. Because, yes, it's beautiful to, to provide diapers and clothes and food, but you're not really teaching them how to fish. You see, you're not really bringing an income into their lives and you're not bringing hope for a career growth. But when you do have skills that are very meaningful skills, then that's what you give people. And that's what Grace in Action really is moving towards. That's 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 our that's our main goal, really. And to, how to many be able to provide meaningful change in people's life. Just again, because it's what it's what has helped me. So I am. I guess this is I was having a conversation with uh, with a business with um, a politician that is supporting us. And he said, well, Natalie, you are the model. And I said, yes, I am. My life is the model of what I want people to be able to have when they come to get grace in action. When they see me, I say, how is it that you were so poor? You had days that you couldn't eat and you had to give your daughter to to far relatives so they can feed her because you didn't have food to give her. Like my situation was very, 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 um, very intense. But now it's totally different. Now I support my God. I don't know how many people we have in the organization. Now we have over. 50 individuals now we're putting events now for that are bringing 500 people 600 people you know and how is it that a single mom with no skills with no support in the country with no family was able to do that because it is possible and that's why our slogan is if we can we should 
because it was one day my dad asked me, Natalie, why do you do this? Don't you have enough problems? Like, why is it that you keep helping people? Focus on you. Look at your situation. Right. He was in another country. And I remember so like out of nowhere, I just answered it. And I said, Daddy, because if I can, then I should. I should. I should help. So when I was working on the website and they said, "Okay, what is your slogan? I was like, if we can, we should. Because I remember the conversation with my dad. Um, but yes, and I'm sorry I cut you off earlier, Sai. So you gave the answer for my question. So how many uh, uh, individuals uh, got the uh, uh, benefit uh, being in? Oh, throughout the years. Oh my yeah. God, through the year, throughout the years, many. I, I, I don't know because at the beginning, so for the first five years that it was it was not a nonprofit again the nonprofit is just it, it's it's funny because people are now reacting to the nonprofit but in reality this has been happening for the past 7 or 8 years now um but it started with me and my daughter right just every 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 um december we will I will bother every single one in my life. So if you were one of my friends, I'll be like, say, hey, do you want to provide a toy or two for kids in need? So I will go into people that I knew and I will collect all sorts of toys, brand new toys every single Christmas. Um, and it started that way with providing toys. Obviously, Sophia, my daughter, sometimes she's so beautiful. This little girl, she will keep the toys brand new and will save them for months so she can have some of the toys for the kids. So I started that way. Then, of course, providing clothes, sometimes from our own closet, sometimes from people that will give it to us. But it really started seven or eight. I'm terrible with the dates. Seven or eight years ago. Now, in the past two and a half years, it's been a nonprofit organization. Now it's in so throughout all now you're asking me from seven years ago how many people i mean many and i'm grateful to say because this is what you want to see in a program you don't want to see families that are staying in the same program for 10 years right um so the families many of the families are no longer in the program because they have they have found really good jobs they are no longer in the community that they that, that we used to serve they have moved to better communities but i will say I don't know, hundreds, imagine seven, seven years. And I started now what I, you know, just recently what we're doing recently. No, I mean, for a significant amount of months now, we are partnering with other organizations that they have their own families, but they need extra support. Because I think one of the problems that I have, and I'm very grateful to have that problem, is that I have more resources than what I can do with them. And if something bothers me, it's like, I don't want to not move these resources. I need to find people. So it's a very good problem to have because that means I have more than I know what to do with. So I don't know exactly how many families or how many um, individuals exactly are being helped through the partnerships that I have now. But I think I, I think in, in a total number, I don't know what to say, but I can say hundreds, hundreds of people right now that I that I'm aware that I'm personally working directly with them is over 50 people but i'm working now with this non-profit organization and through them i don't know how many families there have because i'm just communicating with them for this big event but it's a lot of people and i'm really grateful but again my 
Grace in Action's biggest goal is to be able to be, um, it, it, you know, to provide meaningful change. I do pride myself in the sense that, yes, we have been able to help many people. But I think until I really say someone's life was drastically changed because of Grace in Action, then I will really say I'm doing exactly what I what I what I was born to do, because when I look at my own life, I sometimes think about how when I see the families, I always remind myself of the, of the feelings I used to have back then. Right. And say, man, I know how it feels to cry at night because you don't know if you're going to be able to pay the rent next week. I know what it feels to feel. Why is my life this way? Why I don't have the, the opportunities that other people have? Why, you know, to feel despair, to feel hopeless. And that's a horrible thing to feel. So if I can say Grace in Action now is, is providing high level skills that people come over here and they're finding great jobs and now they just took off from there. They have a big career. That's what I want to be able to say. And I, I'm very proud and super extremely grateful that beautiful uh, individuals with great skills, great skills, great backgrounds are coming and joining forces with us and say, Natalie, let's make it happen. So I've been having meetings. I don't know, like had these three meetings just um, just between today and Monday. And one of them was a three, three, three hour meeting, just coordinating curriculums and all this stuff. So it's a very beautiful thing. Another thing that I started doing this year is I'm going to schools in low income areas because I have been asked, hey, can you come to this school? And then I look at the school like you guys all have a lot of money. I'm not going to that school. I'm going to low income schools to talk to kids about cybersecurity, to explain how cool the industry is, what can they do to be more secure when they are surfing the web. But at the same time, I always nick it in there. Uh, consider this consider this field. If if you like technology, obviously, I always talk about boss, to be honest, um, um, is software development. And although I don't have no background in software development, uh, maybe the maybe the example I gave earlier gave it away. It's like what? <laughs> but what I'm saying is, I always try to because people people have the wrong idea, especially. Uh, and I'm sorry about these, but tech people have sometimes the really wrong idea that the majority of people know about technology. At least here in the in the United States, I don't know about other countries, but when I when I go to these high schools, is then I realize, oh my god. These kids are about to graduate and none of them were able to give me a concise or or a simple answer about can you tell me something about cybersecurity? And they're like, oh, I heard of it, but I'm not sure what it is. The majority of them. Now, when you go to schools that are that have more budget, they all know what cybersecurity is. So I don't focus on those. I go where they where where the need is. Um, so I think this is also I'm very excited about these uh, being able to talk to people and explain many aspects of cybersecurity, both on how to stay safe. Another thing that I'm doing is I'm focusing because I'm trying to identify. I sometimes sit down and say, Natalie, I, I try to put my mind where the need is, both in my career and um, and inside in in social work. So through social work combined with cybersecurity. Um, and I highly, highly encourage anyone watching this that is from cybersecurity, please try to do the same. There's many, many people. You don't have to go through, you don't have to do the same thing as me. But for example, 
right now, um, scams. Everybody's, you know, everybody's being uh, attacked through scams and everybody's receiving, I don't know how many phone calls and text messages and, and emails. But are we thinking about the older demographic? Are we thinking about the grandparents, the great grandparents, the people that are, you know, that they don't know much about technology and they're still receiving those messages. They're still receiving those 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 um, those phone calls. So I started going into communities, asking libraries, hey, I want to put a workshop for the elderly demographic for older individuals want to teach them how to use their phone better because many of them don't know how to use their basic the basics of phones and second i want to tell them hey i want you to be aware when you receive a text message of these um this might be what are some of the signs of a scam because right now just recently i've heard so many people there's a scam going around that's really horrible about a little girl or if you have a son or if you have a daughter for me happened I, I got this call and someone pretending to be my daughter supposedly she's in an accident and she's crying and she needs again it's always the same signs right urgency um threat so i said what about the people that are not aware of these things and fall for it i fell for a scam like 15 years ago and i i left i actually left a job because of a scam so I'm doing that too. I said, okay, those are needs. Are we identifying needs? There's so many, so many of us want to do good for others, but there's so many ways to do it in technology. There's so many ways you, within your own domain. You don't have to go and be a social worker. So I started just asking libraries, can I put a workshop? She was so excited. This lady, she's been emailing me. Okay, when are we going to do the second workshop? Because this is amazing. People really can benefit from it. So I have now two nonprofit organizations asking me the same thing. Can you put up a workshop here for us for the early, early uh, elderly demographics? And I'm also going through I'm also going to nonprofit organizations and teaching them how they can leverage chat GPT for grant writing, how they can leverage chat GPT for for many things that, that they can do. There are so many ways to help others in technology that we just need to sit down and analyze, okay, what is it that we're not thinking about? And the same thing translate in, 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 in a cybersecurity company or any company trying to be more secure. Are we thinking, are we taking the time to really think where are the aspects, where is it that we're not really focusing that we should be a little bit more mindful of? Like you see, it's all about being aware, having the time to really say to ourselves, where, where can I, where can my skills be, be better utilized in any capacity that you want to help at your work, uh, in your community? I guess that's, that's really what I try to do all the time with that. Put my mind to work, my brain to work and say, what can I do to help? But that is a meaningful because I don't have time to just to do things that that are not meaningful i genuinely am very very busy so i when i put my time onto something for me at least for me it has to feel meaningful and what better way than to really help someone not to get their bank account empty or an elderly you know there's so many there's so many types of scams and there's so many things that we can be teaching at schools that we could be teaching at libraries and it's not that difficult you just walking into a library and you ask can I put a, a, a workshop? They're going to say, okay, are you, you can just say, you don't, you don't have to say you're part of a nonprofit. You say, I'm an, I'm a cybersecurity engineer or I'm a software developer that I want to give back. 
There are so many ways. We just need to put ourselves out there. And people are so appreciative of that. So there must be a strong reason for you to uh, do this. Uh, whatever you're doing, uh, it, it can be helping or supporting uh, families or uh, it can be uh, upskilling uh, people, uh, helping people to upskill themselves. So what is that reason which is driving you and which is making you to wake up in the morning every day and do this? What is my reason? My goodness. I don't know. I think I have many reasons, but um, I will say through my through my journey in my in my my life my life as a woman as a person as a as a professional as a mom as a friend as a daughter has really taught me that for example i think the majority of individuals especially in highly developed countries um you know they struggle a lot with anxiety depression suicidal thoughts and so on right it's it's just really one of the major problems that we have mostly in in highly developed countries everywhere but i think it's it's more it's more evident in these um when you when i go back into my earlier years um and when i used to struggle so much as a single mom and and I always felt like I had nothing to give. I don't have any skills. I remember, like I remember I, and I'm just being super honest over here, but I remember saying to myself, say, um, I just want to be proud of myself. Even though people used to praise me all the time for being such a great mom for, you know, uh, for just whatever little skills I had, although parenting, I think, is not a little skill. That is just a major thing. I always say to people, too, do you want to give back? And you don't know, you don't have the time because probably you're a mom and you have four kids, three kids. Then the best way we can give back also to not, not our society, but to the world is to just raise really great kids. So that's another way to give back, you know, just to be fully focused. But to answer your question. My experience um, going through all these this, this issues, it's a horrible, it's a really bad feeling when you truly think that you're not good at anything, that you don't have any skills, that you don't have nothing to give. That, that when, so when you realize the simplest things about you as a person, let's remove all the labels. Let's, let's remove all the labels right now. Let's just focus. I am just a single mom. What can a single mom with no background, almost on anything, can give others? Well, this, that's how I started. I started by, oh, I have an extra, I have an extra, um, blazer. I have an extra, uh, tub. I have an extra, I have five apples that I know I'm not going to eat. Who can benefit from it? So the feeling that you get, I always say to people, I do it because I'm a selfish person. I love the feeling that I get when I help others. But it, the feeling is started really uh, cementing in me or just re- being reinforced in me when I realized that the littlest action towards kindness was reaping so much. It was giving me such great um it was really helping my mental health. It was helping me to feel that this is this is a great way to live. It's a great way to live with the mindset of what can I do to help? What how can how can I be of service? 
at all times. Because right now we live in a society where it's mostly like, oh, what can you do for me? Say, what can you do for me? Natalie, what can you do for me? Sophia, what can you do for me? When we should be more, we should be asking more, why, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to serve you? Say, right now we're serving each other, right? I'm very grateful you, you contacted me and I hope, you know, this serves you in, in, in some way. So the, the reason that I do what I do is because it has really been a great path in life. I genuinely know some people choose religion, some people choose, and I, I've been into, I, I've explored many religions in my life for the past 10 to 12 years. Um, and nothing has really fulfilled me as much as community work, as helping others, of being of service. So I think it's that. I think I just found a path in my life that has helped me to really beat, I have this little, um, this little, I don't know how to call that little insects flying around. Um, so anyway, you know, it helped me with my mental health. It helped me with purpose. I feel like even if I didn't have any skills other than just being a mom and sometimes being able to talk to people, that was enough. Sometimes I realized that when you wanted to help someone, it's not so much that they needed the the clothes, they needed mostly the time that you could offer just to listen to to whatever they needed to say. Or you cooked, and this is how they, they also taught me these, the families. I had so many families that they had nothing to give, nothing, because they were so extremely poor, so extremely poor. But I used to come inside their homes. Oh, my God, this makes me emotional. And I will have the first thing I will see is this amazing plate full of whatever they had in their fridge. And I felt so bad. I'm like, I cannot eat this. Obviously, I'm not saying it that way. But I knew that they were giving me maybe the last piece of chicken that they had. They were giving it to me because they feel grateful. But then the message they were sending to me is, you see, you always have something to give. So I will go and start sharing that. So by the way, I was vegetarian. Um, I decided to try being vegetarian for a few years. But then when I started working as a family support worker, I realized that some people, some moms would not talk to you or not open their heart because you need to really understand them. You need to get to the core of things. When you really want to, when you truly want to help people, you need to be vulnerable enough to just get connected to them, you know, heart to heart conversations. But you cannot do that if the other person is not open to. And I realized that by eating their food, they'll be much more open. So I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to give up being vegetarian for the love of people because I really wanted to feel connected to them because I, I didn't have much people in my life either. So it worked for me in so many ways too, right? I feel like, you know, I felt the love from many of these families into my life. I felt very, I felt like my life had a lot of purpose. And as years started going by, I realized that it wasn't that difficult. Helping people is not that difficult. You just have to incorporate it as a lifestyle. If you just keep it as a task, then it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an extra task on your plate. Now, if you make it a lifestyle, it's just the way you are. It's just who you are. It's just the way things are. You you put yourself in a, in a place of service to others, and also goes back into your own into your own career. You see, when I have teams and and I'm part of a team, my mindset is always the same. What can I do to help? And 
I have been in situations where I truly failed at one point. You're not bringing value to this company now because the company moved, shifted quickly and my skills were no longer relevant in the way it shifted. So what I did, I'm not going, I, I love the company very much, but I was honest with me because I said, Natalie, you want to grow as a professional, but also it's not fair to stay at a place simply because they're paying you. I mean, how many of, how many individuals just stay for the paycheck? But that doesn't make us happy. So always asking ourselves, how can I be of service? It's always going to reap so many benefits in our lives. It might make us move. It might make us move, you know, sometimes and say, okay, I might be of more benefit here or we can benefit each other. But always saying, how can I be of service? I think it has been a great um, a great thing in my life. And I, I don't know, I will say magically, because I don't know how the amount of turns in life got me to where I am now. But that has been one thing. How can I be of service? And in my career, too, and I feel like that mentality is, has helped me so much to grow and to be more relevant to whatever position I'm in. What, you know, how can I be of service? And sometimes that that requires, okay, Natalie, you need you need to gain another skill. Can you do that? Yes. Are they going to support you? Sometimes your work supports you. Sometimes it doesn't. But if you think that, for example, if I want to get into incident response and I am a, a cybersecurity engineer, how can I be of service? Well, I want to learn how to read uh, logs properly. I want to be able to identify uh, how the, a particular a particular malicious tools look on a log. Do I know how to do that? Not really. Do I have people in my team that needs that knows how to do that? No. Does the company need this skill? Yes, we are literally we need this skill so much. How can I be of service? Okay, let me go and look for for a mentor on these. Let me go on Coursera. Let me take a course. The company is not paying for it, but it's also something I want for myself. I would love to see myself in incident response. So you see, how can I be of service instead of asking constantly, what is the company doing for me? It's no, what are we doing for each other? So at last, what do you say about your service to my audience uh, who are watching this and listening to you from anywhere on this planet? So what is okay? Say that again. Say I'm sorry. So what is so what is what I can say to your audience about? Yeah. What do you say about your service uh, uh, to the people who are watching and listening to you from anywhere on this planet? Oh my God! I think I I guess the same thing I've been saying through the whole um, through the whole conversation and is, for example, I'm gonna start with with the human aspect, right? If you feel that you're very depressed and you're struggling with, you know, um, very hard situations in, in your personal life at work. Always go back to simplicity. Always go back to something you can you can handle, you can you can control. Sometimes when we feel so so out of, like when we feel overwhelmed by life, it's I think it's important for us to focus on a few things that we can control. And sometimes it's the simplest thing. Um, let's just start, for example, go and get a manicure. Or if you're a, a gentleman, just, I don't know, do something that that makes, that is only for you. Now, little by little, by focusing on the things that you can control, sometimes it's as simple as cleaning 
the dishes, cleaning your home. And if you don't find it in you to clean your home, I always, I always, uh, I always say to people again, I, I lived in, I shouldn't say I lived. I worked in many houses. And one thing that I noticed is when I would help a family to clean their home or I will have some sort of support to have someone clean their house, the environment in the house changes too. So something that you can control is start by that. So sometimes it's just paying for someone to clean your environment around because your environment is also what you're looking at and it translates into even more overwhelm. It goes back to also uh, Ayurveda teaches this too, right? It's also the environment. But that's one thing. Now, if you want to now kind of take it to the next level, even if you're overwhelmed, even if there's a lot going on, you're very, very busy, see how you can help find a cause that is close to your heart. Find a cause, for example, you love animals. Well, shelters and nonprofit organizations related to animal care are so underfunded. They need so much help. Just try to go and say, um, how can I help? And I highly suggest if you can do it in person, do it in person, because um, I've really through the years I've been doing this, just asking someone, how can I help in person? Is It's sometimes it's, it's almost an immediate. Yes. Yes. This is how you can help me. But emails. How many emails do we get a, uh, a day? So many. So sometimes people. Oh, I tried. I sent one email. I sent. For the first time that I started asking a nonprofit organization if they needed some help, oh my God, I, I, I think I sent that day 20 to 30 emails to different companies, different organizations, because I wanted to be a volunteer, and that's how I got to be a volunteer at the needle exchange program. But anyway, to just kind of make this simpler, ask yourself, what is it that you would like to help, in which capacity you would like to help, and go and do it. Sometimes you, you like kids. Maybe some in some countries there's orphanages. Um, you want to read to kids um, or in technology. If you have a background in technology yourself, go to the schools, try to find schools that are low income and try to teach the kids. Because the beautiful thing about cybersecurity in specific also is that you don't need a, a degree to get in. So many of these kids, I don't know the situation in many countries, right? Um, I have sometimes people from Kenya, people from Iran contacting me. Can you help me with my resume? That's another way that we can do it, right? We can help them. And I always say, okay, I need you to do your homework and tell me, like, what are some of the things that are relevant in your country? And let's work on your resume. Or in your own country, just go to organizations, nonprofit organizations, if you know, IT. Hey, can I can I help you? Maybe let me look at your firewall. Let me look at your um, I don't know your hotspots. Whatever it is that you can do, and I promise that is a beautiful way to help your mental health. And you can bring that knowledge or that notion of what can I do, how can I be of service into your work, into your own life, and you start prioritizing your self care. How can I be of service to me today? Um, and I think that's that's what I was I want to say. I really want to invite anyone to to put yourself out there a little bit more because it really helps us also to to make friends, to meet people, to to bring new experiences into our life once a month. You know, sometimes we have a lot of things going on. 
You can just go once a month to a center or to the library to have a, a workshop on uh, investing or software development at a very basic level for underprivileged kids or the basics of cybersecurity or how to sp- how to spot a scam, things like that. There's so many ways to help, but the most difficult part is to do it, to just bring yourself to do it. Once you do it, you realize how beautiful it felt and how much you you enjoy doing it. And many times it keeps calling you back. It happens to many people. So that's what I would like to say. So as a person who understands uh, the human, human side uh, and also the person uh, who understands the technology aspect, what is your observation about my work? About your work, I think you're a mediator. I think you're a mediator of greatness. You see, for me, people that put themselves in the middle, because you guys have to be, you know, very neutral. Just try to uh, try to bring, I will say, the best of each uh, out of each interview, and then deliver it to the audience. I mean, this is what we need. And I love the fact, say, that you allowed individuals because I think I, I, I posted this this morning. I actually declined a podcast request because I wanted the podcast to be and it's not like I want to control the podcast, obviously, but I ask they say, Natalie, just the same. Right. Natalie, um, you can give us suggestions. And all I said is I would like to be focused on the different aspects of technology that I bring to the table at the same time, you know, my, my background, pretty much what we're doing here. And no, they wanted to focus only on purple teaming and said, no, we want to, we really want to emphasize a, the purple team aspects. And to me, imagine, imagine if I only give a purple team talk if I can share much more on from the skills that that I have learned. So your your approach, in my opinion, is beautiful because you're not boxing people. You're not simply saying Natalie is simply purple teaming and that's it. That's all I want to show. No, it says who is Natalie? Right. Who is what is grace in action? How is grace in action helping uh, others? So I think it's a beautiful thing what you do, and I hope you continue doing doing what you're doing. I hope your audience grows because I think you have a very natural way to to see people. And I think we need to see people as people because we are not our careers. We're at the end of the day, we are people. And it's important to see the humanity in us. And I'm very grateful that you allow me to do that today. So uh, your feedback is extremely valuable for me. I'll save it uh, for sure. Uh, I I want you to say one more thing uh, before ending this. Uh, I have interviewed more than 100 country people uh, who are into different parts of the world and who are into different professions and who are uh, uh, into different age groups and who are into uh, different industries. Uh, uh, So also people who worked in NASA, uh, you know, uh, in space industry, uh, in, in all the technology, top technology companies I have interviewed uh, uh, in different levels. So me communicating with uh, people globally uh, and uh, trying to know their experiences and uh, trying to know how they are solving problems like you, uh, you are helping so many people uh, with the limited time that you have in your life. And uh, you're a very busy person. And uh, But still, I try to uh, uh, try to know more about you and tell to my audience about how you're making things possible. 
so like this each and every person and trying to collect the information and trying to put on one platform where people can able to connect and learn and get uh, information from and uh, how uh, you people can inspire the world and be the reason for the positivity in the uh, on the planet so how this experience is going to helpful for me in coming days in my in my career or as a human being uh, like i said uh, i did masters in software engineering also bachelor's in computer science and engineering right now i'm doing a aws cloud devops engineer uh, engineering projects so how uh, this global community work that i'm doing is going to helpful for me Oh my god. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> this is funny cuz just last night I was thinking about this, I guess what I'm going to say, but it's funny you you're asking that. I was saying to myself and I was tempted to post it, but then I was like, oh, you're already posting so much today, just stop. <laughs> and it's like one of the most one of the most valuable things in my life. and this is also when i talk to other people is the ability to speak cross cultural communication you see you're speaking to people from all over the world saying all over the world that is a skill that i got to say to you that not it's not easy to find and not only communication so For example, when when you have interactions like this, you see you spent an hour an hour and a half in an interview, you're really learning about the person because I remember the first message that you sent me, you said I I think you focus really on people from all over the world. That's your major focus is, is literally learning and bringing content from people that is from different backgrounds. And you said, "Oh, I was in Colombia when you when you messaged me." So, when you spend time with people um the way you do is so incredibly valuable when you then meet people in real life and they are from example they're from Colombia they're from Italy they're from France and you already have an idea because all of us carry our background in a way right okay the way i speak the way i move my hands like okay she's she's latina she's this so you know for me has been a great tool because through my social work obviously I've worked with people from Egypt I have I have worked with people from India from Europe from I have a Russian and Ukrainian I have people from South America now when I have had my meetings for my nonprofit because I want to be able to talk to supporters and these individuals are you know um very important individuals and one of them is indian and one of them is from italy i already have a base a baseline that i can go with confidence with some sort of confidence and talk to them for example when my indian friend talks about um i always say oh are you north indian oh my god and i start talking about punjab and i start talking about all these things for my friend from egypt oh okay she's from cairo oh my god i have a friend you know so first it really takes away the fear sometimes that people have to speak to people that they don't they don't know right like okay i don't know their background but also when it comes to meetings when it comes to um closing deals say because you might be in tech and you know but you know i think you can go many places with what you're doing 
But the ability that you have to speak to people from all over the world is an ability that you're going to carry all throughout your entire life. That's going to open many doors because you're going to realize, and I'm sure you, you realize it now. And I'm sure there's, there's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying you don't realize it, but based on your question, what I realized the most is how much those interactions with people from all over the world has really given me when, and they, and, and I guess the skills show up um, I will say innately, it, it shows up naturally when I'm talking to people from that particular background, because I already spoken maybe once, maybe two times, but you speak constantly with many, many people. And I think that one thing that's going to be huge for you is your ability to speak clo- uh, cross-cultural in real life for your own projects, for, for your own career, for whatever you want to embark, because in my case, I will say great success of grace in action when it comes to the back end, you know, the the business side and the um, the business side of things that it's different from the operational side and the business side is the ability to talk to people and the ability to respect people's perspectives that sometimes are really are really embedded in their culture and their in where they come from. But you're naturally respected because that's all you work. You, you work with people. You're a people's person, and now you work global. So you're in another level. I think this is going to be very impactful in your life, in, in all aspects of your life, in my opinion, because that's, again, I was thinking about this last night, the exact same question. I said, wow, really, it has been so, I, I, I said to myself, what a blessing it has been that I have worked with people from all over the world for over 13 years. So when I go to meetings, I'm never scared. Who am I going to encounter? Are they Russian? Are they uh, from South America or Indian? Doesn't matter. I respect all the cultures I have worked with and they all have given me something and I have given them something. Plus, I love learning about people. I have loved learning about life, about technology. So people, is a, people are a great wealth of, of uh, information, of knowledge. Imagine how much wealth you have with the work you do. So one observation about, uh, uh, you know, uh, about your service that uh, uh, that I want to say with the experience that I have talking with so many people, more than 500 plus people I have interviewed. So wow. uh, you are into technology. Uh, I interviewed all the technology people, but I can uh, strongly say you are staying apart from like majority of the top level technologists in the world, I think, because not many technology uh, people are uh, so empathetic like you're doing service that are you know that that talks about emotion that talks about uh, you know food that talks about something which is not connected with the machine which right. doesn't connect with the software or which doesn't uh, 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 which is not at all connected with the technology but the, the most of your life uh, is, uh, is is so inspiring because uh, not many technologists will listen to this kind of uh, stories who came to technology and who is able to do both. But many yeah. people I interviewed who are into, you know, technology for 40 plus years, uh, they actually, they, they communicating with machines so much, spending so much time with the machines, not with the people. They actually become machines. They become, <laughs> they are extremely logical. They don't even... Uh, you know, I, I believe I understood that they've forgotten how to talk with human beings. So uh, I think some uh, uh, 
something is missing in them being in technology but this 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 experience that you have shared that the service that you are doing definitely will open a lot of people's eyes also hearts and also i hope so <laughs> makes uh, you know definitely this this, this um service that you are doing and that service that you are sharing with my people will definitely change uh, you know so many people and will impact so many people i believe so because it's so pure so honest and uh, it's coming directly <laughs> thank you so much that's so sweet thank you and i think to just add a little bit to to what you're saying um i think the individuals yes that that has spent most of their life in, you know just focused on technology they're still very much human right it's just that the only language they know how to speak right imagine someone i guess i can speak people's language the way i'm speaking it because it's been 13 almost 14 years now just mostly focused on people now i am coming into technology which i always loved mostly because of the 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 challenges i had as a child so the computer was like this this great comfort it didn't it didn't make me nervous it didn't make me anxious it didn't make me not want to learn every teacher made me so extremely anxious but a computer did it now i can imagine how people that are very introverted because the funny thing is i'm highly introverted like i don't know how many times my neighbor has seen me <laughs> because you know this just i spent a lot of time just doing my own things but i guess it's important yes uh, and i think this is why i'm emphasizing the human aspect in cybersecurity because i think many individuals are very much aware of that that it's difficult for them to speak to people to connect to people but um but it's important to do it so i really do hope that it's and it's not a fault of them it's just an awareness you see this is an industry that is purely about it has been mostly historically purely about technology but it's shifting quickly technology is shifting to be more you know we need more people with people skills because it's translated into big flaws that we cannot afford we cannot afford the amount of cyber attacks that are happening and we just go back into what are the sources sometimes it's just human error many times human error that could be that could have been mitigated with better communication better culture at a company too so i really do hope exactly what you said that you and i right now we're being able to inspire people to be a little bit more empathetic i think that's a beautiful word and it's a word that i would love to see more in people in this domain because it has been pretty as as beautiful as everything sound as i'm saying it has been tough for me because i don't see the the human aspect as much as i would like to see it so people when sometimes you know they're too dry they're too they're too um cutthroat sometimes when when they communicate and i said it doesn't have to be that way we're still humans we're still yes we're talking about businesses we're talking about machines here we're talking about very important things but we're still humans we shouldn't be i don't like it when here in the industry among leaders they sort of normalize speaking so dry to people but they don't know what kind of challenge your employee is having that day or is being having you don't know if the person is struggling with with suicidal thoughts that week or if someone in their family died and then just because we have normalized such a dry way of communicating we're literally adding to the problem that we have in 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 in, in companies culture wise now when we don't have happy employees 
the machines can only do so much, right? We have to oversee the machines. We still have to oversee them. And if we don't have the mental capacity, we're not grateful to be there. Just a little bit of kindness, a little bit of empathy goes a long way in technology, too. Really, I, I do believe it. And now with the, the, the adoption of AI, I think we're going to see that we're going to be forced in many ways to be more human because there's not going to be room for us to be the smartest person in the room, wherever we go. And I think I'm really looking forward to that, really, just just kind of in a way technology now pushing us to be what technology cannot be. And it's more empathetic, more human and just connect from, you know, from people as people. So thank you so much, Say. I, I mean, I don't know. Whatever you said about about me today is very beautiful, and I take it. I really really take take everything you said. Very grateful. And uh, one last thing I want to say. Uh, no, of course, of course. Thing. I'm sorry if I sounded like we're ending. No, no, no. So uh, I think you're, uh, you are an expert who can help, uh, you know, uh, in building AI products or AI services because... It's very important for a technologist who are working in AI uh, to understand the human aspect as well. I think not many technologists that I interviewed or that I know that who are already working in AI and who are in, you know, different top level companies have this human aspect. Like, you know, that that happens that people can understand only if they be with people who can understand people and who can do service to the people. I think you are, uh, if you know if uh, if if uh, you get a chance or uh, you I would have love that to. oh my god and honestly that's like in my wildest dream i am doing i am very very much involved in ai in ai like when i when i really put myself to dream and i say natalie oh my god i love i love ai and i'm not here trying to say that i know uh, artificial intelligence or ml like is I love reading about it. And the more I read about it, and maybe I'm influenced by some of the authors, but they always emphasize in how much AI is at the end of the day is going to make us more human. Of course, there's multiple perspectives, right? There is the doomsday perspective that AI is going to be the end of the world and is going to like there's many perspectives. But at the end of the day, yes, I would love to see myself in, involved in AI in some capacity. But at the end of the day, we can all be involved in in AI just by being more human. Because at the end of the day, I think I that is my belief. We will have no choice other than to just go back to our humanity. The way the way we're seeing the advancement of this amazing technology, yes, and I'm excited for that. <laughs> because to program the emotional thing, definitely a person who understands emotional emotions well, like you, because the service that you have that you have been explaining from the first minute uh, you know that those thoughts those feelings that that are coming directly from your heart that really needs you know an artificially intelligent machine uh, to should have because morals ethics that we yeah. have as a humans because you work in cyber security you see a lot of attacks you know humans go uh, you know doing uh, you know uh, uh, doing negativity and uh, you know giving you the work 
to you know <laughs> protecting you you are being the yes, protector yes. the more damage they do the more work we have <laughs> yeah so yeah and well, thank uh, you yeah it's it's um it's something that i didn't think of it that way but yeah i think it makes a lot of sense I, i'm reading a book right now um the second book of kai fu lee is ai I forgot this, but anyway, it's an amazing book, and he he's touching on that subject in in the chapter that I'm in. So I'm excited. Exactly what you're saying, he's talking about. I'm like, oh my god, I need to finish that that chapter today. <laughs> so it so will come you. out, and uh, I'll share that book link in the description of this video, also on my website. Uh, your work uh, and uh, your social links, also your website, the service that you're doing, and uh, the community things, the groups. everything will be on my website people who visits my website can able to see the work that you are doing and uh, can see the web links uh, and uh, can uh, can see uh, what contribution you are doing to the planet in different forms and with your different ideas well thank you thank you appreciate it so can i put this video on my youtube channel with your permission yes of course and also can i put this audio and video clip on my podcast website internet social media everywhere with your permission <laughs> yes of course yes you can thank you natalie for for giving me opportunity to ask you a few questions and telling and sharing your experience and telling about your service in detail and uh, making my audience to know what is important in life Oh, thank you. No, I'm very grateful for these and yeah, I mean, you have my permission. Thank you so much for your work for you know because you're also doing these as a service, right? I mean, you didn't charge me. Um <laughs> uh, and this is a beautiful thing. So, I'm very grateful for your the way you think too, right? You consider that the human aspect is extremely important. If in that to me, I am very grateful that I'm speaking to someone that think that way. So, thank you. So uh thank you again keep going keep doing what you love thank you okay bye 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 bye